do I want another penis? Do I w- walk around wanting another dude? No. Of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Thoughts and Perspectives, a swinger lifestyle podcast. We are Ben and Kay, a two-physician couple in the lifestyle, and would like to share with you our thoughts and perspectives on related topics. We are physicians, but we are not your physicians. If you have any concerns about your personal or mental health, you should talk with your own doctors. This is an adult podcast and is not intended for people under the age of 18. Hello and welcome to Thoughts and Perspectives, episode 17, Attachment. I was reading this article and I was immediately intrigued. It said, sexual monogamy is potentially costly for males and few mammalian species along with humans exhibit it. I was like, wow, potentially costly for males. What about females? Why is it costly? Yeah, it's it's expensive. <laughs> all, all these cruises and, <laughs> and the lifestyle expenses are add up, add up. I guess monogamy is what they're saying is costly, not non-monogamy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you got to get the house and the picket fence and I guess all the children and all that and whatnot. Gotcha. It adds up. It costs you more in your emotional In my cost. emotional well-being. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, this episode was brought on after reading a lengthy Reddit post uh, about a guy who was doing some lifestyle-related stuff with his girlfriend. And she felt like women... Um, shouldn't be attracted to other men when they're in a relationship and that it's primarily a male thing that they should be interested in other sexual partners outside of their relationship. Yeah. So the context was that they had several threesomes, but with another female partner. So FFM kind of a threesome, they did it for a while, like a year and a half. And he felt like he should return the favor and organize a MFF, F, MFM situation for her. And, you know, I've been there where you feel like, gosh, I owe my partner. Yeah. <laughs> they organize such sweet deals. Yeah, for you're her. there right now. <laughs> I owe him. I, <laughs> I had such good time. It still lives in my memory. Um, so, you know, this is where I totally get where he's coming from. He's like, hey, let me kind of organize this same sweet deal for you. And um, she basically said, oh, no, I do not want another dick in me. I do not yeah, want to. Yeah, the, the quote I have here is, I have no desire for another man to touch me, let alone touch his dick or let him fuck me. Yeah. So he was super taken aback by this and kind of posted on the swingers forum and just saying, where did this come from? Um, and he did some research in oxytocin, kind of trying yeah. to piece it together. Yeah. And, then, and then the girlfriend goes on and she goes, um, women who are interested in other men, or at least her, if she's interested in other men, it means she no longer has any interest in her primary partner and you should watch out. Yeah, she basically yeah. gave him a like, word of caution. Yeah. Like, yeah. And in fact, if I am becoming interested in another guy, you should you should be concerned. Yeah. And so the guy... It does some open quote digging close quote um, into the nature of oxytocin and how that affects bonding and all this stuff, which uh, he draws some very interesting conclusions, um, which I don't think are accurate um, compared to our current understanding of how how oxytocin works in relationships. And then there are some things that are supportive of his argument, but don't really 
he doesn't really express that in his in his digging. I feel like that post really triggered my nerd. Yeah, it really <laughs> triggered my nerd that he he went and looked into this stuff and probably didn't look into very good sources and then drew a bunch of kind of silly conclusions. I start to think like, are swingers wired differently? You know, uh, I was like, is there some sort of biological piece to I, swinging? I don't think so. You don't to think be so? honest, no. Uh, and especially not after reading that book, uh, Sex at Dawn. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Sex at Dawn is uh, kind of an anthropology book that goes into how humans used to behave when they were in tribes and before the development of civilization and agriculture and that sort of thing. And it kind of suggests that monogamy is not the typical state for human beings. So I think swingers are not unique. And I think if we were in a different kind of society with different expectations, pretty much everybody would be a swinger. So we're a malleable species. Yeah, I, I think I think swinging, swinging is a kind of an adaptation for how a human living in a modern society can kind of do the things that they would normally be doing if they were back in the normal state a human should be in, in a kind of a pre-industrial society. If we're still running in the wild. If we're still running around in the wild, we'd be do, doing... This exactly, I would say exactly what swingers are doing, but probably pretty close, I would It think. certainly feels natural to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think certainly we're happier when we're doing it. And I think that's one of the reasons pre-industrial societies are happier. One huh. of the reasons. I think there's a bunch of other stuff. And if you want to know more, read the book. Um, yeah, that that was a fun book, too. I didn't read the book. I listened to the book. Yeah, I listened to the book. Yeah, the, it was a, a really good commute. In my extensive commute, again, due to modern society. <laughs> That's one way to, <laughs> yeah. to, to make your commute better. Yeah. Well, so we went down a rabbit hole of nerdy research. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> But let's go through, um, what else does he say? So he asks some questions at the end of his post. He says, how does this play out in the swinging community regarding attachment, particularly female attachment, and are men likely to develop these sort of attachments as well? And then he asks women, do you find yourself catching feelings? And then he says, do you think there's any truth to the fact that women are more likely to form attachments than men are uh, from sexual relationships and, and uh I think the uh, the underline to that is: Do swinger women are swinger women more likely to get these uh, these feelings or attachments to men while doing stuff in the lifestyle? Yeah, what happens? You know, when when you have an intercourse, do you get attached? Does it come yeah. together with the intercourse? And then the other thing is, is they're they're having these um, FMFs or MFFs, and why doesn't he consider the possibility of attachment between the two women? Yeah, so I think that um like his his kind of presumption that mm -hmm. she, you know, she's not really bi. Mm -hmm. She's kind of doing it for just fun for for him to see a show. So I think that that piece like he has explanation for that. Mm -hmm. And he has an explanation for why he doesn't attach to the mm -hmm. other mm -hmm. girl because he's a guy mm -hmm. and he's like, "Oh, this attachment stuff is for women." Yeah, and I think to be honest, I, and I mean, everybody's unique and she probably has her own reasons, but I think a lot of it is, it's very easy for us to get brainwashed by modern society and these made up rules that we have. 
um, as a society and kind of what's expected of you. And when you, when you're just immersed in it, you know, all the time, you have a hard time thinking outside of what you've been told is right and wrong. And I think a lot of people have a hard time getting outside of that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you got your brain and your perspective, you know, all of the stuff you bring with you from your past experience and you look through that lens, right? right? You've been told your entire life marriage is between a man and a woman. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, for example, you've been immersed in this. That's what you've been told. You're told you're supposed to, you know, have children and live in the suburbs and, you know, you're not supposed to look at other people and, you know, all these things you've been told your entire life is kind of the correct bad. way to do things. And then, yeah, then you have urges and you feel bad, but yeah. you're steeped in this, right? Like you see it in every movie, every love story, every romantic comedy, your parents model that behavior. And it's, it's difficult to take a step back and go, wait a second. Does it have to be like that? Like who enforces these rules? Why is it <laughs> the way it is? Is there actually a reason for it? And swinging is kind of when you you step outside of that and go, wait, these artificial rules that people made up, like one, it's artificial. And two, does it really apply to me? You know? Yeah. Um, and so I think she may be still at that stage where she hasn't fully gotten out of that mindset. Yeah. Is one theory. The other theory is, you know, everybody's unique and everybody's individual and maybe for her, it's a hundred percent true. Maybe for her, She's, she just knows that if she engages with another male that she would form an attachment and maybe she is 100% not interested in any other man apart from her husband or not her husband, but her boyfriend. And that's, that's understandable, right? Cause not, there's a lot of individual vari- variability between what you want out of life and in your sexual activity. And, and maybe that's where she's at. Yeah, I can, you know, it's funny cause, um, my experience of being female, right? And just kind of my attachments are, are different. Mm-hmm. I had I had the opposite yeah, issue. Yeah, but you had a head injury too. <laughs> you explain everything yeah. I, everything that you ever have issue I, I, with. I really chalk a lot up to that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, you know, it's fine. She's just, she's, she's doing her best. <laughs> she's, she's just doing what she can. <laughs> oh, you know, this is where... I'd have, I would have more issues with forming attachments. So I had no problems with having casual relationships. And in fact, looking forward to like finishing a weekend of hanging out with somebody and just driving home and being like, oh, I'm so done that, you know, with that. And I'm looking forward to being in my own bed mm-hmm. and kind of really taking my time to form these attachments. Mm-hmm. And so reading his argument, he was like, hey, most women I was with, um, even if it was casual, at some point they would try to attach to me and say, hey, mm-hmm. um, are we serious? All of that. Yeah. And I was like, well, I wouldn't be that girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I, I don't know. He does say before that that he's very attractive. So who knows? Mm, yeah, I would yeah. say I would still say no. You know, so so that that piece with with attachments is I I, I do think it's unique to each person. Yeah. You know how we kind of relate and how we take a desire and sexual desire as part of that attachment piece. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, I was reading, and I would also say, you know how we kind of look things at what, what's normal. So I spent my 20s looking at myself, and I was like, oh, dang, I'm not normal. I'm not even close no, to No, not me. even close. <laughs> I'm like, where do I fit into this monogamy spectrum? Like, I don't. I what to do with the with the beast on the inside. Um so it's been this whole this whole time kind of just trying to get rid of the parts that didn't fit and then it turned out I just needed the right partner who appreciated all the wild parts. And so it's not yeah. a problem anymore. Yeah. Um in my twenties I was pretty standard. I just wanted to have sex all the time <laughs> at any point and um historically for me in terms of attachments it was like a kind of a switch I would turn on. You know, I'd look at the, the current relationship I'd go in, go into and be like, and say to myself, well, do I want to get attached or not? And if I said no, then I wouldn't. And if I said yes, then I would. And be like, am I going to allow myself to be attached? Yeah, this is a good situation. I think so. Flip <laughs> on the switch. Gotcha. So no hormone, hormonal decision making for I, you. I don't know how much hormones were involved, but <laughs> for me, for Feel- me, it's always been a, a very logical thought process. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow myself to feel a certain way unless I, unless I decided to flip that switch. Yeah, I feel like, in general, probably true for me too. If anything, I was more on the hesitant side with attachment. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. is this gonna be a problem that will hold me back? Is yeah. this really worth my time? Yeah, my my thought process was always like, if I'm gonna date someone in a serious relationship with them, I want to make sure that this is something that I want to go into long term, right? Like I don't want to be in a, a legitimate, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend type relationship with someone unless I see a very long term future. And if I don't see that, then I don't flip the switch. Oh. Right. Because I don't want to like break up with someone a month later or have these like multiple. You're responsible with other people's hearts. Like, I guess so. I, I think it was more selfish um, at that time. <laughs> but yeah, Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think uh, mostly I just didn't want to put myself through a breakup, you know, mm-hmm. um, in a in a situation where I I just didn't see it going kind of long long term. Yeah, it's interesting the the piece that he talks about with attachment and desire. You know that that is a piece that he's saying do, does that go together for women? Because of how mm-hmm. they're wired. Right. And I look at them like, what? Like, no. You know, this is... But then I questioned myself. I said, I don't know how to reconcile that. So in my day-to-day life, do I want another penis? Do I w- walk around wanting another dude? No. Of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Oh. I'm, I'm not. You know, and, and then... Like, if it's not a full swap experience, would I want to just have casual one-on-one experience with another guy? No, not unless it was some sort of a adventure that we planned. And Yeah, right. So if I said, oh, I want you to go and have sex with these three guys within the next two hours. Yeah, then it would be part of a fun slot fantasy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so that would be different. So that's where, like, would I want it for myself just for sake of it? Probably not. But when I'm on the cruise and I'm like, okay, I am lying to myself if I, if I say I'm not boarding the boat with, you know, where what I want the most is vitamin D as much of it as possible and we'll put every effort into <laughs> obtain it. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, uh, you know, this is definitely a desire 
there's a lot of selfish desire for me for definitely another penis. Let's just yeah, be honest yeah. here. And I, and I think that highly kind of sexually charged atmosphere kind mm -hmm. of contributes to that. So I think you just need to get amped up to a certain point and then, you know, that desire level goes up and. Oh, okay. So it's maybe more of lack of foreplay in my real day to day life. Yeah, probably. No. <laughs> no, I think it's that thing we talked about earlier for the, the sexual desire curves between men and women. You know, men are very quick to, to rev up in terms of sexual desire and then it drops off very quickly. Whereas you, as you get on the cruise every single day, it's like a long the, foreplay. The sexual tension builds up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. You know, um, and you get more and more excited as the days go by. Whereas me, I hit a peak and then you start like to slow nothing, down and then I hit another peak and then back down to nothing. And I think that's typical, but I, I don't know. I feel like every cruise you're like, I'm going to pace myself. I'm going to try to beat this peak and kind of crash situation. And I feel like, I don't know if we figured it out. It still happens. Yeah, I, I think we did okay last time. <laughs> we had enough. The other piece I had was he did the digging with the oxytocin. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, let's uh let's go back um, to point number one. Are women more likely to develop attachment than men? I think statistically that might be true. Yeah, I, I I shuffled through some studies. I didn't sit down and read them very thoroughly, but I believe the general consensus is that women are more likely to form attachment after sexual encounters in general that than men. Yeah, because we have that also higher peak of that oxytocin, right? Not true. Not true? Not true. We'll get to that. Oh. Um, but let's talk about our early relationship, me and you. Yeah, that was pretty casual. Yeah, so we, we started with a casual kind of friends with benefits relationship for two years? Yeah. Yeah, um, and I had, a, I had a primary partner and you were... I had many many partners <laughs> you had you had you had a primary you had primary partner and dating and all that stuff and uh we never really formed an, a romantic attachment between each other um i mean we were really good friends yeah we had i feel like it's funny because i i'm looking back i'm like would i latch on and be like oh my gosh i really wish our relationship grew and i wish it was more yeah but no. it was never in a situation where my primary relationship was ever in danger that yeah. was never a thing yeah and then i think likewise for you your friends with benefits relationship with me never threatened you know it's funny because it actually made me very relaxed that you had that primary partner yeah. i think that that's where i wasn't worried about forming attachment yeah, because you know, i like knew some other woman's dealing with his bullshit and i get i get the fun part and she has to deal with all the yeah, and she, mess and yeah, she knows about, she's great, she likes me. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, this is where I feel like that stage, and that was when I was still dating, like actively trying to find a boyfriend, all of that. So that's a piece where they're with attachment that just doesn't fit for me. Like, no, I, I wouldn't say that I attach easy to friends with benefits situation. Yeah, I mean, I think you did form some level of attachment because I think you were bummed out that I was going to disappear one day. Well, that was, yeah, that was later on. Oh, I see. You know, that that part, three years in, that's where I was surprised. 
I was like, why, why am I so bummed out? I, th- I think I remember that, right? So remember that encounter, we had met this other woman and you kept in touch with her mm-hmm. and you were taking off because you made that arrangement to meet her. Well, I, I, yeah, I made that arrangement ahead of time. I wasn't aware you were coming over. Yeah. Then I show up at your apartment and I, I was there and like you had to take off to go meet with her. And I was mm-hmm. like, why am I bummed out? So I was like genuinely confused about my own reaction. I'm like, I've been through this many times. This is so bizarre to me. And that's where I realized I was like, oh, I I may have developed some feelings. So this this, this may have progressed. So but that was that was a while into it. We were kind of in a friends with benefits situation for like two, three years at yeah, that it point. Was, that was at least two and a half years yeah. into that. So we were we were just friends. Yeah. And I think I realized I've gotten used to being your friend and just showing up whenever I wanted yeah, yeah. and just claiming your time. Um, so we had a different friends attachment. Mm-hmm. Like we do mm-hmm. fun stuff together kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So that's where the romance came later. Yeah. And I, and I think at that part, at, at that point, you were basically living in my apartment. Yeah, because you also lived closer to the hospital. And when you have to be in the hospital yeah. <laughs> really early at six in the morning, I was definitely using you for that. Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> I will readily admit, I was like, could commute for 30 minutes in the snow. I, or I could stay with this fun guy in his place that's right in the backyard of the hospital. Yeah, so we were we were basically living together by the time we started to form those attachments. Yeah. Okay. We did everything backwards, I now realize. Yeah. It's all it's all, it's all messed up, dude. <laughs> you know, this this is this is interesting. It makes me question everything. It's like, what why didn't we kind of make that progression that he's talking about? I don't know that in our relationship would you say that attachment changed now that we're swinging you know how we started swinging with being friends with benefit and we mm-hmm. had a s- certain swinging style mm-hmm. and now we've been married for almost 10 years mm-hmm. and I think our swinging style is different. So I think that yeah. Yeah. for us, the attachment, as attachment grew, it actually enhanced swinging. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um it was kind of a free-for-all, I think, for us um, in the beginning when we were kind of friends with benefits, you know? Yeah. We just, like, no rules. We just went for Did it. Did whatever. Yeah. So I feel like I didn't, I, you know, I was so focused on what I get out of the deal mm-hmm. that I didn't necessarily pay attention to how you look. Right, like, right. I knew, like, you, you're, you're happy with a swap. So yeah. that part we always made sure. Mm-hmm. But did I pay attention and get turned on by looking at your face as you come? Like, no, that wasn't even paying attention back then. Yeah. He had other stuff going on. <laughs> I did. But now it's like, it's a thing that turns me on. And mm-hmm. so the swap experience, I still get the pleasure that I do for myself. And then I really enjoy that part of seeing you enjoy. It's like double enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. And so the other thing I want to talk about, you know, he talks about are women more likely to get these feelings of attachment after these sexual encounters than men? I just thought back about how many posts I see on Reddit where someone's saying, oh, we had an MFM or a hot wife situation and the guy won't stop like texting my wife or like trying to get my wife away from me and all that sort of thing. And it's almost cliche that I see it so frequently that 
there's these single men who get involved in these scenarios and clearly uh, establish um, uh, attachments. And I guess I would say inappropriately uh, for the lifestyle. And so I, I, are women more likely? Maybe, but are women the only ones who form these attachments? I don't think so. Yeah, that that's definitely, I feel like on Reddit, you definitely come across these posts, but it's just not talked about it as much. Mm-hmm. That's where it's like, just more socially acceptable, I think, for yeah. women to form attachment. Yeah, I, I don't see a lot of posts on Reddit where they say, oh, this unicorn developed this unhealthy attachment with my husband, you know. That is true. I don't see, I don't see that very often. Yeah, unicorns are mythical creatures. Yeah, yeah. unicorns are special, I guess. Okay, digging on oxytocin, time to get nerdy. Yeah, this is, you know, this is like us sitting at the bar and both reading scientific articles and you would just say, okay, they're doing some, you know, research for some sort of a paper. It's like, no, we're, we're reading about oxytocin attachment swinging, (laughs) doing all this, all this work. Yeah. And we, we did come up with some pretty interesting stuff that I didn't know, um, that is surprising. And I think, uh, I think really kind of makes you think and is, is pretty interesting. So, uh, the, the, I, I hate to use the term research. Um, the reading that the uh, that the author of the Reddit post made or, or did uh, had him come up with a conclusion that women get oxytocin from sex and men get oxytocin from commitment. Is was his was his conclusion, um, which both of those points are wrong. Kind of, mostly. I was gonna say, you know, it's like my gut feeling when I read that first. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. So the first thing that I looked up was that it it looks like pretty much men and women have generally the same amount of oxytocin in their blood, more or less. A lot of, a lot of variation between individuals. Um, Some, some people are very high, some people are very low, uh, but in general, if you average out the genders, it's about the same. Yeah. And, you know, me being kind of neuroscience, then I ask, okay, is the oxytocin in the blood and the oxytocin that's in your central nervous system that bathes your brain, is that actually the same level? Is it reflective? So that was challenging. Um, But I believe, based on what I've read, the CSF levels are the same too. It crosses freely. Uh, I don't know if it crosses freely. I didn't look that up. When I say crosses freely, we mean the blood barrier brain barrier yeah does does oxytocin (laughs) in your blood go into your brain and and vice versa don't know the answer to that question yeah Um, that's the nerdy part of us coming out uh in any case i did see that the the oxytocin levels between women and babies is the same in the csf and uh the research implied that it's the same with men oh here this is an interesting fact both men and women have lower oxytocin levels when they're in a stable relationship that really um blew me away and that article also confirmed that this was previously found so i thought okay if you're in a stable relationship you're more bonded and attached so your oxytocin would be higher so why is it lower it's lower and if your relationship is shitty then it's higher then it's higher oh my god yeah you know this is this is fascinating to me i'm like so you you walk around, you have lower levels, and is the signal that you're just, you're not open for attachments, like you're not yeah. looking? And I think that's kind of the conclusion we drew is the reason if you're in a stable relationship, your oxytocin levels are lower is because you're not looking for new bonding. Hmm. 
right? And then you get in your shitty relationship and then your oxytocin goes up because you're kind of on the lookout to maybe do some new bonding. Yeah, that's the interesting part with swinging, right? So everybody's really securely attached to their partner. And in fact, that's something that you look for when you look for a good swap, right? Like Mm -hmm. how closely is the couple attached to each other? Like you want to see Mm -hmm. like a really drama-free good bond, right? Like for us, it's Mm -hmm. like... a good sign um but then sometimes you also become friends and you you make attachment when you bump into somebody you know and Mm -hmm. you're genuinely happy to see them Mm -hmm. so you know that's that's where i don't know swinging attachments might be different like with your partner versus you know kind of a more friendship attachment yeah i'd be curious what the baseline levels of oxytocin are between vanilla people and swingers Swingers in general, if you look at couples, on the boat of swinger couples, I think that there are a lot more happily married couples. Mm-hmm. Like you get that feeling. The other thing is oxytocin levels um, are associated with um, lower anxiety and being more chill, which I think in general, swingers definitely meet that, that being more chill kind of quality. And the other thing was that uh, higher oxytocin levels are mo- more pro-social. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you're looking for an attachment, right? Yeah, you're going you're to be more social and interactive and that sort of thing. But swingers are both of those things. They're both more pro-social and more chill. Yeah, so they know how to spike their oxytocin when they need it. Or maybe they have higher baseline oxytocin levels because they're also, you know, looking at other people and being like, eh, you know. Yeah, this is the part of the afterboat experience that we've talked about where you're still kind of on the lookout and you're still, you know, you're in the airport after the boat mm-hmm. and you're like making eye contact with couples and then you're realizing, hold on, sl- pump the brakes, slow down. Uh, but in any case, um, his his assertion that men get oxytocin from commitment, nobody gets oxytocin from commitment is the answer to that. And then he, he says um, women get oxytocin from sex. And they do. It looks like on average, uh, a woman's oxytocin level may just about double. uh, But a man's oxytocin level will almost triple um, and sometimes quadruple uh, during sex. So everybody's trying to bond during sex. Yeah. And the men's oxytocin levels on average go way, way, way higher. Do you think that that could be why, like when you have your reclaimed sex... It's like so sweet afterwards. Could be. Could be, be, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, that piece makes me like, no, it, you know, swapping does not change our attachment and does not decrease desire that I have for you at all. Mm -hmm. It actually increases it. Mm -hmm. So that was the part that, you know, the question that he was asking, I was like, no, the effect of, of swapping is actually quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I enjoy the, the visiting vitamin D very Mm -hmm. much. And then I go back to my cabin and I enjoy my husband even more. And so that's where I was like, why would, why would you put that together? But then, you know, like I have to remind myself, like, no, that's, that's the vanilla perspective, right? That's Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. kind of societal perspective. Yeah. And the last point, um, that I want to talk about was this recent study where they took these prairie voles, which are these, I don't know, I think they're rodents that uh, form these stable male-female bonds, and then they participate in co-parenting. 
and they, they took these voles and they made it so that they couldn't uh, react to oxytocin. So they produce the oxytocin, but they don't have the gene to, to actually make use of that oxytocin. And so they were expecting these prairie voles to be all messed up and not forming relationships or anything like that. None of that happened. Yeah, it's not as easy. I, that's where I was like, attachment does not equal oxytocin. There's yeah, so yeah. much more in that. Yeah, there's way more to it. And the other thing that's interesting is, again, the societal thing. The researchers took these prairie voles because they form these monogamous, stable male-female attachments and then participate in parenting of the offspring together. And they said, you know what? This is an excellent, and I'm going to say rodent because I believe the rodents, rodent model of how humans do things, right? That's where I was like, well, if I was looking for the closest model, I'd probably go with something in the monkey um, category. Um, You know, kind of where have somewhat more similar behavior versus rodent. Yeah, in in an ape. But I I think apes are just generally harder to deal with and it takes longer to raise an ape and do the genetic stuff on the apes. Um, And so they do it in these voles. But yeah, I don't think a vole is a a good comparison or a good... Um, I guess the technical term would be analog to a human. Yeah. It's just a good analog to what we've turned humans into with modern society, right? Because back in the day, you know, the men would be out hunting and the women would be doing their thing and the grandparents would be raising the children, right? Like the tribe would be raising the children. So the voles being the mother, father, child sort of scenario is not the natural state of a human being. Yeah, we're way more social. Right. And I also question, um, you know, is the natural state of a human being to be in these monogamous pair relationships? I don't think so. So the researchers kind of indoctrinated with how things are in modern life and being raised in that environment and being constantly exposed are kind of doing crummy science because of how they've been corrupted by how modern society works. Yeah, I think that's where when you read research, you have to ask yourself, how did they design their study with what was their bias to begin with yeah so you can you can present your conclusion really neatly you can wrap it up with a bow yeah and i don't think this guy who did the digging on the oxytocin stuff i don't think he thought about this stuff no you know it's i think it's it's different when you're kind of have an idea right so it's that's his hypothesis right so he Mm -hmm. went digging for some stuff Mm -hmm. and kind of thinking like, hey, I need to explain my girlfriend's behavior here because mm-hmm. this really surprised me, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, why wouldn't she be in the same boat that I am? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a big deal. You just swap and enjoy things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's your MFM and, you know, my debt is repaid. So I think that his whole research was also biased, right? So yeah, yeah. like he, he found little bits and pieces of, of data about oxytocin kind of made him feel better also. Right. Yeah. It kind of, he was looking for things that reinforced kind of how he felt about the world and his personal experiences. Yeah. And I think that that's where it was challenging as I was reading it. I was like, that's not how I view the world. It's not how I saw the world before swinging and definitely not when I'm swinging now. Mm-hmm. I was like, the, this, it's the opposite. <laughs> okay. So um, he finishes off his post asking, um, I guess three questions. Uh, does attachment prevent you from swinging? Uh, how does this play out in the swinging community? And women, do you find yourself catching feelings? Yeah. Yeah. 
The answer is no. You can be friendly with couples you swapped, but mm -hmm. you don't. Most swingers that you know we are not we are not poly, right? So right. you you could actually come into it with that yeah, whole yeah. Uh, intention. Um, but no, we don't see it, and I don't experience it. Well, how about does attachment prevent you from swinging? You see, I think that attachment enhances your swinging. Yeah, attachment to your primary partner. Um, does worry for attachment to another partner prevent you from swinging? I'm trying to think back. You know, um, when when I had our kids, mm -hmm. so the mm -hmm. first year after I gave birth, I remember having kind of this experience like, I don't know that I'm into swinging anymore. And you should have very high oxytocin levels after you give birth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I'd just sit on my rocker with my baby. And I'm like, in fact, I don't want to do anything but sit on this rocker. And like the whole world can disappear. And so I was kind of in this this bubble. I feel like if there's such thing as too much oxytocin, that's probably where I was at. Yeah, to, to get super nerdy, I bet there's a pretty big role of prolactin. Oh, yeah. In that scenario. Yeah, just sitting there and, and we're just chilling. And and I was like, I don't know that I am into... Like, that would be one scenario where I look back where I'm like, I'm definitely not turned on by anybody else's penis. Like, I don't really want that. And then something happened in my mind like a year when the oh, baby it was... like two years. I'd say a year where a year I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get in shape. Because I, I can't get no game looking like this. <laughs> I remember that. Um, and I'm like, well, I got to get in the swing of things. How can we do that? So it, at a year, we like started these conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think um, with our first one, we went to like a party in a club. Mm -hmm. And that was like our first kind mm -hmm. of experience after that. And I was like, oh, no, I still got it. I still, yeah, still enjoy works. it. Yeah, it's, it's still good. Um, I still have a lot of you know, desire for the whole swap situation. And this time the boat was our first experience, but it was also pandemic. So mm -hmm. we kind of had to kind of figure out how we can, we can get back into swing of things. Yeah. And, you know, with, with pandemic kind of still going full speed. How about a fear of attachment, right? We talked about attachment prevent, preventing you from swinging, but what about fear of attachment? I have no fear for myself attaching to mm -hmm. anyone else, but can I get fear that some magical pussy will come along and you'll be like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. yeah, this is that, that I can, I can get to where like, oh, you'll have like so much physical um, satisfaction, desire, whatnot, that you could, you could get attached. Yeah. And I think that's always the big hurdle. I, I, and I think probably everybody deals with that is a worry that, there is some magical penis or magical pussy out there that uh, will just come we're in. We're just going to come in and just going to be, you know, so amazing. Yeah. And take a part. But yeah. that's, that's the funny part is you for yourself are not worried about it. And I'm for myself where I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Like, like, no. Yeah. And, and part of it is part of the, the, how I get over it is I understand for myself that there is no way. Right. And then I just apply that to you. That helps me too. Where I'm like, well, how come you're not worried for yourself? It's like, well, that's like not a possibility in my brain. Like, why would I 
trade my sweet situation. Like, no. And so there's just, if your situation is really good, it's like, why would you want to leave it? So I, f- I feel like that would be a different scenario. Like if I'm, if I was looking at a, at getting out of a relationship, that means I am very miserable in my current relationship. Mm-hmm. And so th- that would be the only situation where I can kind of see that happening, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm super yeah. miserable and things are not working out at, at that point, like that, that's what would be the like scenario. But it's like, no, I'm happy. Why would I do that? That makes mm-hmm. no sense. Um, I guess the, the second question was, how does this play out in the swinging community? I think we covered that. You know, um, I, every once in a while you'll come across I feel like jealousy issues mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people will talk about it. Like they'll say, Oh, you know, when we first started, mm-hmm. this is how things worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall I would say it, everybody is like, no, I'm attached to my wife, but I want to have fun. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. this doesn't. With, with the exception of the occasional poly people will run into. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you go to a club, there is a, there is a chance that you'll run into poly, um, like triad or something like that. And I guess you do run into like the, like the, the, um, or the, the swinger pods, I guess, pretty frequently, um, where they do form attachments. Oh yeah. The, that, that you could do, you know, it's just, it's that spectrum, you know, we, we did the episode on the spectrum of that kind of different arrangements. Yeah. But I I think when people get into that, they're, they're kind of knowing what they're getting into. And it kind of suits what they're what they're interested in. They're not worried about, they're not worried about the attachment. I guess that's kind of the idea. And then, women, do you find yourself catching feelings? Catching feelings for my husband, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> you know, I would say feelings for a swap partner. No. Um, do I wish them well and want to say hi and see how they have been doing? Sure. Yeah, like a, like a friendship. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, you definitely maybe, you know, bump into the same couple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you get to know them. Yeah. So you could, you could have like good, healthy friendship feeling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I worry about you developing attachment because you're like very big in terms of caretaking. You know, like, so if you detect, you know, somebody who's like broken and like you, you get into that. Yeah, I don't think about that. Yeah. yeah, this is, this is totally mine. So I'm like, you know, you'll, you'll then look after that person checking, you know, on them and kind of feel like you're responsible for them. Yeah. I, I don't think me thinking, oh, this person's kind of messed up and they need a little help is necessarily any form of attachment. I don't, I don't think that goes together. Yeah, it's more like form of caring. Mm-hmm. And so I equate it into like a type of attachment. Mm. And so sometimes I have to like check in on like, why am I so afraid of that? So you're caring human being. Would I prefer that you're a psychopath? You know, that's... Maybe. <laughs> I'm like, sure, the asshole, um, you know, con, con on con uh, fantasy. Sure, that sounds good too. Um, but yeah, you know, this is, this is where you just have to kind of check in with yourself. Like, Hey, why, why is that feeling kind of insecure? What's that about? And so I think that, no, I don't develop any attachments for myself. Do I worry about you? You develop an attachment? Yeah. From time to time. 
and then we work through it mm-hmm. and then it kind of enhances our relationship then mm-hmm. yeah. having like if we come across something uncover it and work through it yeah like we get to that next kind of level of communication which I actually like so now I'm much less afraid of any issue coming up because I'm like if if that issue is there and comes up like that would be good to to kind of bring out anyway yeah I don't know if you have any more to add to that. No, I, th- I think that's just about it. Our attachment digging and nerdy research. Yeah, um, that's episode 17, attachment. And we'll see you guys in our next one. You can email us at thoughtsandperspectives at gmail.com. And you can reach us on Twitter at, at thoughtsandpodcast. See you in the next episode.